Hello, and welcome to another season of the Storied Arcs podcast. I am your co-host, Mike. And I'm your co-host, Alex. And today we are entering into volumes one and two of Bloom by Kaylin Smith, Kaylin Smith, and Kaylin Smith. I love... Uh, yes. I, I love this. This is cartooning, right? This is... Yes, yeah. In yeah, every as, aspect as we, of it. Yeah, as we, we, we talked about last season with, with Will Morris and Gospel, um, when, when you take the reins of, of the entire book, it's... a I think in, in the industry it's referred to as 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 cartooning and and, and, a, and a creator like this probably maybe referred to themselves as a as a cartoonist not as a or maybe just a creator you know they wouldn't think of themselves as a writer slash artist or anything yeah, like I that. Yeah, I mean, I am thinking would, of our interview one title. with Alex and he's he didn't think of himself as an artist. He thinks of himself as a storyteller. Yeah. yeah How does he tell yeah, stories? Yeah. He he draws. He draws them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so, there, there, there can be some pretension in that, but there's also that doesn't mean there's not truth in that. You right. know? No, I, and yeah, I do yeah, think there yeah. are people who are just like, no, I don't even know what the story is. I just draw it. Like, I mean, especially yeah, yeah. the further back in comics you go. Oh yeah, like yeah, a yeah. lot of people just took it as a gig. Yeah, uh, yeah. because or, can... or or you go back on the Marvel side, uh, the artists were the storytellers. You know, they got the rough outline, and then you know, Jack Kirby would or John or you know John Romita would 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 draw all the art, and then Stan Lee would come in and, and put in the dialogue based on what the action was so well, in a lot of ways space they, there was yeah yeah in a lot of ways they were they were the original storytellers but but yeah you know i think when you see someone i think it's interesting that we've we, now you know back to back we've gone we've gone these two books here with gospel and now with plume um just having one creator like this this is their work you know yeah that that that, that uh and uh, both kind of everything on about small it. side of indie i mean this is uh, oh yeah yeah uh, you know i uh, this is like we talked about in the zero. I don't think I would have discovered this if she had not been at our local comic expo. Which, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, is not a knock on the book. It's actually in praise of comic expos. Yeah, it's like well, go yeah. talk to people who have booths. They're great. I mean, the this this is this is if you if you're walking around Artist Alley, you know, and this is someone who's not, you know, one of the featured guests. You know, the featured guests are often. They're at the end of rows or on the they're on the outskirts because they know they're gonna be they're gonna be lines. You know, the con cons manage the big time guests because they wanna they know where people are gonna line up. Right. Um, I got they, her to sign this on the same day that I burnt an hour waiting for the three people in front of me at uh uh what's his name? X Men. Uh uh Oh Chris Claremont. Chris Claremont, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. uh now bear in mind I did say one hour wait. Only three people in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And well, if, if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, talking about the talker. But yeah, but there are, you know, they're they're always the feature guests. They're, they're the the they're the big time names of who work at Marvel and DC or have a bunch of image book or boom or or whatever. They do a lot of work. Um, the ones that travel around the country, they go to all the big shows. Uh, but there are always people, uh, this incredible artist, uh, we'll say in the middle, in the middle down the rows that a lot of people end up walking past because they're not the big names. Uh, some of them are, are just artists. They're doing prints um, and sketches and things like that. Some of them have their own books or, um, you know, whether they self published or on a, a super small press, you know, and I think, I think Kaylin Smith is someone that's like that, that you'd walk by and you'd see copies of this, of, of a book there that you never heard of before. It's going to be on her table, you know, Right. Try to try to try to hand sell, and I, I mean, one of the cool things cons, you, you, you want to go and see and talk to him, and just be like, Hey, like, what's up with your book? You know, and it, you know, it just it, it, it's it's it, they're there to make a living, that's what they're trying to do. And, and and you know, I know I've been guilty of this the past of how I'm here to get some signatures from these big name people, but like, 
try to take some time to walk down every aisle of artist alley and see people like this. Cause yeah, otherwise we, we wouldn't have found this book. You wouldn't have found it, you know? No, we, no, we I, never, I never, I never would have. Um, and speaking of this book, uh, as is our custom today, we will be covering volumes one and two, yeah. which is issues yeah. one through nine. Yes. And, yeah. uh, as we mentioned in the zero, you should buy the omnibus edition because it's beautiful, just high quality all around. But you can read it for free at plumecomic.com. Yeah. And if you don't like being tethered to your phone, you can download it as a PDF, read it on your computer, read it wherever you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just readily available. Um, super fun to read. And obviously, we will not be spoiling anything in issues 10 through 19. Yes. If you're reading the whole omnibus together, it's a very obvious stopping point. You know, story wise. Um, yeah. Yes. St story wise. You know, if you're listening to this, clearly you've already read along. Uh, so we can just go ahead and say if you, you know, it's, it, it's, it's where Dominic takes control of Korg. It, it, it's, it's yes. very clear. It's, if you were, if you were watching this or reading this and if you were experiencing this story in any other medium, that would be the end of a season, the end of, of, of the, the first Volume movie one, or whatever. Yeah. yeah it, it's, it, it's so obvious there. Like, oh, this is a breaking point. This is where the story changes. So we're not going past that for day today. Today, we're just going to talk about, you know, the, the the book maybe the story in general but you know kind of our, our thoughts on on those first uh first two volumes slash first nine issues yeah and I, i've got i mean i've got a lot of thoughts here first of all we have to read what becomes the recurring theme the iconic quote yeah father yeah. once told me that revenge was like a plume of black smoke it seems tangible but when you reach for it you're grasping nothing but air and at the beginning of this book she continues but it's not like I'm going to stop trying. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. so many interesting things about this. First, you see where the series gets its name mm -hmm. because you get the vibe very early on. This is a revenge quest. Yes. But as the story goes on, you start to learn everyone in this world is out for revenge. Uh, yeah, her father is out for revenge. Yeah. Dom is out for revenge mm -hmm. on her father. Uh, you know, Cork has a sibling out for them and so it's like yes everyone is driven and fueled by revenge and so the challenge very early on that i read is will our character just get the revenge and would that be satisfying or will she find better motivations i mean yeah. she's going to end up doing probably about the same things no matter what but will she find a pure reason yeah well uh, and that's that's always that's always the 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 classic revenge trope right the idea you start on on the idea of vengeance and that's what drives you and at some point typically your your protagonist realizes that that's not going to be fulfilling and of course that's what the quote is at the beginning the idea of grasping at this plume of smoke and and that 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 always comes along with the idea of the revenge story that you know that that even if you get it even if you get what you want it's it's just like it's inherently not fulfilling, right? That that in in every revenge right. story, the, the be, not because the act isn't fulfilling, but because your motivation, simply driven by revenge, just trying to get back at somebody, that means when you get there, it's going to be empty. You right? Know? Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it, the other thing is, in light of the revelations we get in this volume about her, her father, mm -hmm. I'm wondering when he told her this because. Uh, was yeah. this kind of before he turned into a different kind of person or was this once he turned and he's like, I chased down vengeance 
and it's like a plume of smoke. Is this coming from a point of like kind of parental idealism or is this coming from the point of wisdom of like personal experience? I've gone down this and I'm trying to spare you this because That's I already question. made this mistake. That's uh, a good and, question. I don't, and, I, I, I don't know. No, we, get, we never get to know. It doesn't really matter, but I mean. But, no, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Although I, I think if he were kind of telling her in the ideal sense and then he couldn't live up to his own ideals, that tells us one thing about her or about him. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, he's, it, it, it does it, versus versus if he, let's say, came to this after like, you know, after right. and he's like becoming tragedy. a yeah. redeemed man yeah, who like true. sees the folly mm-hmm. of his ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, you know, if I could have anything in the world, I just want to spare my daughter this painful revelation that I've had mm-hmm. that revenge mm-hmm. is a plume of smoke. Sure. Yeah. And- that, that, it, it's it's unattainable. You can't you can't ever get it. Um, well, revenge is always trying to yeah. hurt them like they hurt you. Yeah. And what? Yeah. Um, what? Uh, what? Oh, geez. I'm trying to think of what's the quote. It's like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Something um, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Nelson Mandela. Res- resentment is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill your enemies. Yeah. Uh, and I think, first of that, all, that, 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 that applies to revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, if, yeah. If Nelson Mandela had lived through there, he could have killed the entire Western genre. Yeah. <laughs> because, like, uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit with, I don't, I don't even remember what book it would have come up in, but you at one point referenced the man who shot Liberty Valance in a podcast. Oh, y- yes. Yeah. 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 The when the legend becomes truth, print the legend. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 Which means you've seen some Westerns. Mm-hmm. Are you a Western guy? Uh, no, no, I mean, it's hard no. to be unless you're going back to like the 60s, 70s Westerns, because like new yeah. Westerns are mostly redux. Yeah. And they're not. No, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, I, I mean, in terms of and then the there's classics. Like yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I mean the, the, there's the classic like John Ford's, which is like Manichette Ludi Valance. And then, um, you know, like, have I seen those Sergio Leone spaghetti Westerns with Clint Eastwood? Yeah, of course I've seen them because I think everyone's seen them. <laughs> um. And then I saw Unforgiven, and you don't need to see any more westerns after that. I right. Mean, Where know. it's like my dad, you know, he's born in '55. He just grew up in the era of western. Like yeah. westerns yeah. for him are like Marvel movies for me. Yeah. It's yeah. just like yeah. Every time you go to the theater, it's not uh, is there a western showing? It's which western sure. are we on right yeah. now? Yeah. And is it connected to any of the other ones? Usually yeah. not, except Usually not, by yeah. John Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne, or, or, or but as a kid, you know, no name. There's yeah, yeah. So I wasn't like overly fascinated with westerns. No, but they do have a. Oh, I hate. I hate that I'm saying this. I do have a, like a little sentimental soft spot for them now because on like a Saturday night, if any John Wayne movie at all was coming on and my dad had the remote, mm-hmm. that's what we were watching. <laughs> and so I've seen but, but, quite a few. But then your attachment to the Western is not to the Western. It is actually to your father. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah. Although there's like, yeah, there's just nostalgia tied up with like the yeah, Western. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. And there, I think they are, I mean, Westerns, like as the, you know, the mass Hollywood production era of Westerns were almost like Hallmark movies. Like you could oh, just yeah. like, you can swap out the names, you can yeah. jump in halfway. You're yeah. like, I get it. You know, the black yeah. hats rode in. Yeah, and- the white hat. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, they're they're yeah. They, they, that was that was the that was you. You mentioned Marvel movies. That that's so true. That was the western. Was the movie that was the style that was out. 
Which um, I pointed out to boomers who complain about Marvel movie saturation. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, this or isn't a new thing. Superhero IP, comic book superhero right, IP. So yeah, yeah, superhero, yeah. right. And I'm like, this isn't a new phenomenon. This is, uh, this is just the genre that's going right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the 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 comparison would be, it, it's not just westerns. It's what if, uh, the man who shot Liberty Valance was actually happening like three towns over from where Shane happened, where right. High Noon happened, and all this was tied to the man with no name, you know, and the man with no name actually was the guy, you know, like you know, like if we, what if all these westerns all happened, you know, they were in the same universe together. Right. You know? What if what if boomers were better nerds? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. If you're gonna nerd out about westerns, do make it a all better, the way. Make a better kind of universe. No, yeah. I, I think it's w w when you talk about the idea of westerns. I, I think, I, and and I, I thought about this here, and maybe it's I don't know how fair or unfair it is to to the plume, but the thing I thought about was Firefly. Yes. Um, which is obviously you know that that's that but is that's the, like clearly well, a great well, well, love of western. Yeah, that is a space western. But I think the more you saw that show, um, it, it was it was more like a western. It, 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 it for all the spaciness and the sci-finess of it of, of all of that, um, the the what made that show tick was the the the, the grounded parts, I guess, for lack of a better word. You know, the 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 grounded aspect. I felt, um, and so when 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 I think about Westerns with a little bit of tweak or something, you know, n n not the pure Western, right. not like watching true grit, you know, not, 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 not watching a remake of a Western or anything like that. When you think about a Western, that's got a little bit of edge to it because there's something else going on. Uh, obviously in Firefly, it is that it's the fact that we're far in the future and we're traveling through space, but it's still a Western, you know, here in plume, it, it's the, it's the Western, but it's got that little bit of, of supernatural to it. You know, I think you, when you and I talk about this book, you mentioned the idea of, of it's kind of like Indiana Jones, you know, it's a, right. it's real history. It's a real place, but it's got a little bit of bent to it. You know, it, it's got this little bit of, of supernatural. Is that really happening? Could that really happen? Is this really our world? Um, and, and, yeah. And, and, and so when I think of just the non-traditional Western, my mind goes to Firefly because that's, that's my experience of a Western, you know, which you're right is, right is made by someone um people with love for westerns and intentionally putting their spin on it but if you didn't grow up with westerns and you and you watch something like that that's how you're seeing you know that that that's my language for 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 what a western feels like and looks like well yeah and you and i don't you know and i i think kaylin is probably young enough that the whole western canon existed you know our whole lives yes um yeah. because there was a turning point where John Wayne's characters became more anti-hero-y. Yeah. And uh, I think True Grit was his first uh, award. And yes, I think And I think was. in his award speech, he said, you know, if somebody told me 15 years ago, all I had to do was put on an eye patch. I would have <laughs> done it then. And I, it, it's, a, it's a good line. But I also was like, does he really not understand that people liked the performance of the conflicted guy doing the help rather yeah, than yeah. just oh the, he's the, a purely good the, guy the pure white hat pure black hat yeah yeah, yeah uh yeah. and so it's interesting that that westerns took a while to evolve to that and our character here vesper is almost standing on the cusp of those two eras of western like, yeah yeah 
she's she's contemplating do like she sees the appeal of being the gritty mm-hmm. you know anti-hero who's willing to kill do this other thing but i still have good motives even though revenge is not a good motive yeah not like a good she motive. does if she does what she wants at the beginning of the book for the reason she's given at the beginning of the book she's just straight up a, a villain Yo, she, like, she, she's right. you effect- just get arrested for that. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she effectively becomes Dominic, you know? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, she effectively becomes the person she's hunting down, which obviously, again, you know, tried and true story trope of revenge story. Right. You know, you oh, start yeah. doing you start doing the things that the, the your your enemy does in order to track them. And you justify it with being like, well, yeah, but no, but I'm the good guy. You know, I'm doing this. Right. I'm, do- I'm the good guy doing this. And of course, in here we have, you know, a lot of times the stories you have, you kind of your 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 angel and your devil on your shoulders, you know. Right. And she, she doesn't quite have a devil. I, I I was thinking maybe that's someone like Tegan, but she's not quite that. But she definitely has the angel, where she has Cork being like, like really, you know, Cork is the, yeah. the person who, for the most part, is like, no, stop this, you know, this is well, not who you are, not what we should be doing. Which is almost like a dual clever dual title for him as the protector yeah like he offers physical protection but he's offering moral protection like character protection yeah yeah um even well no never mind that's getting ahead to the next volume but 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 i i think i think what is what's interesting about that um i i think what's implied here is that that level of relationship with the protectee because again what what is it six six hundred years or whatever yeah. it's he's been um and only for the last handful has he has he been in in the 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 possession of the grays the gray family um i i i, I the sense i got reading it was that that level that said that relationship that level of of protection there is unique to vesper implying that there was something more there you know that yes. that, that, that that there was a level of trust between Coric and and vesper's father magnus there's a level of trust there and a level of friendship, you know. Obviously, when 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 um when when Magnus comes back to the house and and basically pulls Vesper out of it and sees Coric, they greet each other like friends. And there's there's a cordialness and there's a there's a clearly a friendship there, you know, right. which is why Magnus bequeathed this this amulet over to to his daughter. But I I I, I get the feeling that that Coric being that angel, so talking about being that moral protection, I, I get the sense that um. That's kind of maybe something that she's unlocked in him, you know, which I guess is to to imply that they have a deeper relationship. That at least that's the way I read it, especially the first time through. When I read it, I got a sense of that, that the they're bickering back and forth, that slight flirting, you know, you know, whatever they have there um, is something that, that he wouldn't have had with anyone else, that it would have just been physical protection, you know, that. Right doing the 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 letter of the law of what he's bound to of no harm will come to you no physical harm I'll step in and do that but him being out being conversant talking about that because because you know when she starts interrogating him about his past and where he comes from blah blah like he does the the very magical genie thing of like you know I'm not gonna talk about that or and don't worry I'll tell about you, it yeah, yeah. Or don't or don't worry about it or if you promise to this, then I'll, you know, like I'm making deals about it. He's not open about it, which to me says he hasn't talked about this in several hundred years, or at least he hasn't right. talked about it since, since the uh, Magnus went on the one on that excursion to, to his, his home city, you know? So maybe right. he, he, maybe he had to get, 
I mean, we get a, a very important lesson from him in issue two. And he does remind her, even though he seems to have an affinity for her and he likes her, he says, you know, here oh, yeah. are the rules. I follow the necklace, not you. Yeah. Meaning, don't be an idiot with the necklace. Which yeah, yeah. basically forces the character from a storytelling perspective to be yeah. an idiot yeah. with the necklace. Oh, well, you know, I mean, that that's the that's that's Chekhov's don't don't lose this necklace. Right. You know? You know, because <laughs> that's where we get at the end of at the end of 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 the first half of the of uh of the omnibus in the end of volume two was uh, her getting carols and we see her often threaten that right not 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 just taking it off but actually like ripping it off so that so the clasp is broken so she can't wear it uh you know she has to hold on to it you know right and, and we, that that's a way that's it's almost like her way of yeah being kind of just a rebellious child, you know, impetuous child. You're talking about being an idiot with the with the with with the the locket with the amulet. Her trying to yeah, just kind of get under the skin of Cork, you know? Right. Yeah, to get her to do things, get him to do things that oh, I'll lose it, I'll drop it, and her not having the full idea of what the, the full gravity of what that means until it actually happens and and Dominic ends up with it. Yeah. Um I'm trying my notes are in issue order, which is confusing because we, we you know we don't do like a beat by beat yeah. recap yeah, yeah yeah but we've not yet talked about the third member of the party for these two volumes which is tegan yeah, not yet yeah yeah um yeah. so our main characters are vesper obviously yeah and Korik. Korik, obviously mm -hmm. he's on the cover um and now we have tegan who mm -hmm. kind of seemed like a random inclusion at first uh but as i kind of reread it i was like Oh no, she's got a history with Dom. She finds yeah. out that the revenge quest is centered on Dom. Yeah. And she's like, okay, great. Let's, you know, I could go for an adventure and I hate Dom. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's well, and the, the, friendships the, are built on less. There's a little bit, I mean, that 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 that's again, we're talking pretty standard story trips here of like, we're gonna pull into this town and we need some help. And only the person that can help us is a person who has a history, the person that we're looking for. You yeah. know, like, you know, of, of all the brothels in all the world for them to go into, they happen to pick the one where, where the madam has a history with, uh, with their, their quarry. So, but no, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I think it works. And again, this is an, an, another, another aspect. And, and it's, it's, it's obviously a, a, a kind of tried and true aspect of, of the Western storytelling as well. Uh, the, the madam at the brothel, at the bar or whatnot. Again, you, you think about, uh, Something like uh, something like Firefly. I was, gonna, about, I, I was just uh, going to uh, say, well, certainly Firefly yeah, is the low hanging. But also, right but also, you, you think about you think about Westworld, which obviously is again this idea of we're using the Western Western iconography to tell part of our story, you know, in terms of white hats, black hats, things like that. But obviously, you have um, a, a, a similar setup there when you're in when you're in Westworld, when you're in the Western time frame there. Um, so yeah, you know, you, you get a character like Tegan and, and she is the, um, I don't want to say loose cannon, but I, I guess she's the one that, yeah, she, generally, she, she's, she's, she's your rocket raccoon, you know, she's yeah, like she, the yeah, pro she's, anarchy. Yeah. She, she's super direct, whatever yes. it is. Like, Hey, we're going to go, I'm going to say what I say. We're going to go and we're going to do this. There's no waffling. There's no moral confliction there. Um, while you have, so you have Vesper, that's why I kind of mentioned that she's kind of like the devil to Corix, Corix angel on, on, for, on, on Vesper's shoulders there, you know, 
Korok's always very much the uh, much more cautious. Hey, let let you know, don't do this, think it through. And Tegan's just kind of like, yeah, what the hell? Let's go for it. You know, she's very impulsive that way. And in in, in the middle, you have Vesper, um, not so much torn there, but but having to deal and kind of balance these two these two characters in her, you know, while she's navigating her own, you know, fueled by revenge quest. Right. Well, she's learning a lot as she goes and the Definitely. question is what will be the watershed data point yeah where she realizes what she's doing is folly mm -hmm. and i loved at the end of chapter five you know she finds out that her dad tried twice to kill dom yeah. and has left scars each time and you know it's this classic luke to obi-wan why didn't you tell me yeah. to Korok? and Korok says i'm here i'm i'm merely here to protect you from harm not all harm is physical. And this is quite the twist on the genie tale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that he is interested in her character and her emotional well being. You mm -hmm. know, like, yeah, like Robin Williams' genie was interested in, yeah. in Aladdin's character. Mm -hmm. But at the end there. Yeah. 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 Definitely. At the end. Um, so, you know, not unheard of, yeah. but this is. A little bit more, you know, it's, this is kind of like, I don't know, uh, not Leon the professional, but definitely the old wise bodyguard with the young reckless protectee, uh, which there are, you know. Yeah. Obviously, if it were a movie now, it would have to be Pedro Pascal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There, there, there's a, a little the, low wolf. The wise old protector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, I do think there is there is the, 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 the twist there being that um yeah he it, it, it's like he he's bound by this curse or whatever he, he did this spell but he's allowed to in some ways like interpret it you know yes like like right. he because because he could he he could he could choose he could do the letter of the law yeah 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 and, and he's and, trying and, to do the yeah, spirit of the law exactly yeah he, yeah he could do either and I think we're seeing that evolution there because you know right before that when you're talking at the end of issue five there when she says you know the the, the back and forth between Cork and Vesper when he says you know I'm I'm merely here to protect you from harm and we have a silent panel of beat there and then Vesper kind of looks away and says not all harm is physical right before that you know he's saying like you know I'm not someone you're supposed to confide in I'm not supposed to be your friend you know and, oh, and right, so right. yeah so so there, there, there's this idea that. Um, so you you read that there, and at the end of issue five, which is um, end of trade uh, one, end of trade one, and then that recontextualizes what you've seen the first four plus issues. You know, right? You you see their relationship, um, especially at the very at the very beginning of the story. Um, you know, when 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 she uses the mask and their and they have the carriage with the flaming wings and all. You know, like and there's some. There's some levity there and and almost like some like borderline slapstick humor there in terms of what their relationship is like. And then and, and so to, to have that and to have that be everything we've read about them and then to get to here and, and him basically almost feeling like maybe I've made a mistake, you know, maybe I've gotten too close. I'm not supposed to do this. You're I'm supposed to simply protect you. I'm not supposed to help you. Almost, right, or be wrapped know? up in these generational yeah. family dramas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm merely supposed to stop, protect you from harm. What, whatever I think that means. 
And yet we can see that how whatever his programming is uh, for the spell, that what he says in those two panels of like, I'm not somebody supposed to confide in. I'm not supposed to be your friend. Everything we've seen from him previous to that is contradictory. Right. You know, everything we've seen from him so far, all we know of him and what we've seen of him and what we saw in the flashbacks of, of, of his history of uh, when, when he shows up, when, when she falls to the ice, like everything about that says, well, like you haven't, like, like that's not what you've been doing, you know? Yeah. Although up until this point, it, it does seem like until she fell on the ice, you know, he had always been around is what he said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I but think in that he moment, he was stays, fond of yeah. her. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he decided I'm not going to be the detached protector after, you know, 10 plus years or whatever. Uh, I'm going to be present in her life. And now he's trying to put the cork back on the bottle. Saying, yeah, trying to, or or yeah, trying to put the genie back in the bottle, perhaps. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. See, yeah. I almost said that, and I thought you would roll your eyes, but yeah. you give yourself a free pass. Oh, no, no, uh, I could say it. I'm, I'm totally, it's, <laughs> it's fine when I do it, talking about. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, just, I, I remember yeah. I had to actually insert crickets entering our underwater welder. Yeah, 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 that we was were going to do a deep dive into that. Yeah, part. that was terrible. Um, but no, I, I think I think right what's interesting. Yeah, what, what the, I, I think that's an interesting character beat for Korok here, in that yeah, he is now trying to because of what they've seen and what, and what now what they've witnessed and what they've experienced, he now feels like wait, maybe I've made a mistake here. You know, maybe um, maybe by indulging her by the idea of like, well, I'll be there to protect you. You know, right. Um, is get maybe maybe feels I mean, like the he's, fact he's that given he her has like, character beats. The fact that he's yeah. six hundred years yeah. he's been doing this, yeah, and he's still learning, he's still growing, he's still deciding yeah. how he wants to go about this. I mean, yeah. in six hundred years it is a lot of memory to hold. It makes me think of uh the book AD After Death, where you know humans sure. no longer die, and they do these life cycles. Well, they they'll go be a farmer for two hundred years or something like that, yeah. and it's functionally the same as like reincarnation there because they're like yeah. i think i used to do this or i think yeah. i used to know someone like this like 400 years ago but you know who could really say and it's like do you really remember have distinct memories from all 600 of those years or are you still growing and changing and you can't even retrace the lines of how oh, you yeah, got where yeah, you are yeah 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 you, you you are you are you know let's see you are immortal you, you, you i think that the idea of effectively being um resurrected every time is right because at some point you're going to be like yeah i don't did we do that i i don't i don't really know i think i think that comes that comes with any story when we're talking about immortals or near immortals um you know recent right. one that the I obvious love. trade-off yeah 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 uh, yeah you know the, yeah yeah I, recent story that i love um from greg rucka and leandro fernandez is the old guard people may have seen the movie oh, on netflix yeah. or whatnot but that's about about a group of effectively immortal soldiers you know and a lot of time is then you know how much do they remember and 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 i think with their story what they've done is they can remember a lot you know those characters for the most part remember a lot of things a lot of details because they've been warriors but that's that's always a thing about that of how much more character growth can you get and you live that long and maybe the question isn't how much you can get but maybe it's how often do you do it you know like sure. you could yeah. you could have an entire arc as 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 you know in the first 300 years of your life and maybe by that 300 years, you've reverted back to where you started because you've seen everything. You've experienced everything, you know? And, right. you've, and, I, and you've, I love you've how forgotten all the things that you maybe you knew. 
even when you've forgotten certain things, you don't necessarily lose your progress. You just can't explain why you are the way you are anymore. Oh, sure. Which, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, another good um, I, we're not sponsored by Marvel, I swear. Another good comic shout out would be uh, like the Immortal Hulk run where no, uh, wasn't the premise that he had, you know, Hawkeye try to kill him. Yeah. And well, he wiped he, well, out Bruce Banner's memory. And yes. now Hulk is the smart one. Yeah. yeah you know, Hulk it, is it, the it, one yeah. who has the enduring memory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he has to, you know, figure out who he is. And, uh, you know, he already has tendencies and personality traits, but no memories. Uh, yeah. 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 So, always yeah. an interesting situation. So anyway. We're getting a little off the rails with Cork, but yeah. he is a very interesting character. Yeah. Because he's not a fixed, you know, he's not a prop, which I think a lot of times, you know, your magical source becomes kind of a just something we, you know, we just uh, punch the goblin. Everyone, oh, there's, there's a board game reference where anytime you can't do something else in your turn, you just punch the goblin. So I use that <laughs> very loosely now. Uh, but, uh, just anytime you need magic, you just go to the magical MacGuffin and, and get mm-hmm. it from it. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of personality-less, lifeless, whatever. And this is a thinking, growing being uh, that is still on his own character journey, his own character arc, which we get to see the backstory of. Now, mm-hmm. there's still 600 years missing yes, uh, yeah. in between. So we don't really know everything he's been through, but we know his history with the Greys. We know his history with his own family. Uh, by the way, I don't think I would be having any pro family views, uh, grace or otherwise, if my family treated me the way that corks, it, it, it's a, it's a tough look. It's a tough look for, for, for him and his siblings there. Um, yeah, I guess my, 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 one of my questions with, with Cork is like, does he choose when he comes out of the amulet, you know, because like, obviously, obviously he shows up. It seems like he has initially when, 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 when Vesper's initially in trouble, you know, when she, Obviously, we've seen he's there throughout his life, but the the impetus for this story is she she goes out on the ice, she falls through, he comes out, saves her, and then he's just around now, you know. Yeah. And is that is that because she's just going to put herself in danger and wants to be there, or does he choose to be out there, or is is she you know that there there's a little bit of like what are the rules here aspect like when is because because what you talked about before about him him not being a prop that's what it is you know and then there's there, there's the excuse of like our magical being is here does the thing and then goes away and we call him back whenever we need him but oh no wait then there's going to be a story reason where we can't call him we don't have that that power there you know like like the, 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 there's a natural hindrance to the storytelling but with here he's just he's just there all the time you know and right. again there's i i have a, a little fuzziness on the rules of 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 that when he appears and why he's just around is it his choice is it her choice right um and, and, and i think that's interesting it doesn't really because matter. it doesn't really matter the storytelling no, it, it doesn't matter except no. that we have the understanding that for a long time he was basically hiding out in the amulet not yeah, making he, an appearance he's non-corporeal form yes once he comes to corporeal form he basically doesn't leave again um in this know, story yeah in, in this story, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, we're not going to spoil half, anything yeah. out of this, but yeah, but he he's there. So, right. so anyway, um, he knows all this backstory with Bennett. Uh, mm-hmm. you know Bennett's gang killing her mother. Mm-hmm. She doesn't. She doesn't know her mother was murdered. Murder. Uh, so she gets that little juicy tidbit at the beginning of six after mm-hmm. getting dirt on her dad in 
volume five. Yeah. And so it's her dad's fault that Bennett killed her mom. Then he kills Bennett. And then Bennett's son is mad at him. And Bennett's son kills her dad. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, th- that's the literal eye for an eye till everyone's blind. Yes. Yeah. And, that, that, that's the, the vicious circle of revenge right there. Yeah. Uh, and yet we press on to the city of, how are you pronouncing this? A-U-R-U. Um, Aru. I said Aru at first. Okay. Um, I guess it I'm, could be I'm Aru. I'm you said anything at all because I, when I, when I read something like that, I don't even come up with the pronunciation. I'm like, yeah, know that place. Um, <laughs> oh, well, no, I mean, I, 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 I saw A-U-R and I thought, okay, what's the most common word I could think of, especially Aura, Aura yeah. given what we see about it as this golden mm-hmm. glow kind of thing. So I thought Aura and then just dr- replaced that, that A with U. So are you, that, that's what I went with. So, right. And, uh, you know, we get the confrontation with the shadow monster who is, as it turns out, a zeal. There's also an idea of like Aryu being Arik. That's gold as well. I just thought of that as well. I, I kept oh, yeah. it coming up earlier. Uh, you know, yep. That's, nope, that's why uh, gold is AU. Um, we'll, we'll put it in editing. It'll be the yeah, first yeah. thing we yeah. mention. Yeah, yeah. Take that out. And so we seem smarter. But now that just came to me now when I said the gold shimmer. It's like, wait a minute. Right. Of course. It's got to be Arik because it's, it's, anyway. How um, many years has it been since you had to memorize the periodic table? Uh, well, well probably that, more recently for you. Well, no. Um, what I'm actually ashamed of is like that's Goldfinger's name, Arik Goldfinger. That's the thing we're ashamed of. Like it's it, it's a James Bond thing that we didn't get. So, um, and you know what? I had already looked up Scaramanga's name because uh, he's the man with the golden gun. Yes, and, you know you see the the prominent golden gun as yes, a relic yep, yep, throughout yep. this book. And we'll so get I, that. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to think of a, a sneaky way to like sneak that in and yeah. miss the much more obvious bond yeah. reference yeah oh my gosh yeah this is what um, we're recording at 9 a.m on a saturday and see, yeah, it's a, we normally don't do this it's a false yeah. start i not enough coffee not enough coffee. bacon or whatever i don't know right. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, okay but anyway so so listen the the most obvious thing we should have gotten it is definitely aura um or aru whatever <laughs> yeah, but uh all about it yeah, yeah, definitely. Totally got that right the first time. But uh anyway, continue about that. Yeah, I'm just like if no, if 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 Kaylin is listening to this episode, I'm sure just beating her head against the yeah. desk in President yeah. Bartlett fashion. Yeah. Um that's... so anyway, Cork confronts uh Azeel. Mm-hmm. Uh we see surprising twists. Oh, so she goes after Dom, you know, that and then Dom surprise twist, betrays them, steals the amulet. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure I'm not spoiling. This is where she had the conversation of, I don't want you protecting me because of the amulet. I want you to choose to protect me. And that's uh, why she's not wearing it. Yes, that like is she was technically still in possession of it, but she was not going to wear it and keep it safe because uh, I, I just want to make sure that's not volume three. There's no way that's volume three. That's volume uh, one or two. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to think here. Yeah. At some point she, but we see her, like kind of a shooing privilege to say our friendship matters to me more than my ability to command you. And the comp that I, I kept coming back to as I was reading their relationship. First of all, I was very refreshed that it was not, uh, you know, reckless damsel in distress with basically an um, omnipotent protector, uh, you know, who is just a damsel in distress. I'm very glad it didn't go that direction. And the direction it actually made me think of is Harry and Dobby in Harry Potter. You know, Dobby 
kind of comes in as this protector, even though he's a servant class. And Harry insists on being equals and treating his friends, even though we see Harry not perfectly, uh, you know, letting himself off of the privilege hook. He still uses privilege plenty uh, within the wizarding world. Sure. Um, but we see, a, you know, a protector who they end up sacrificing for each other, um, even though it was meant to be a one way relationship. You know, it's the second Harry Potter book. Dobby is just trying to save Harry's life by keeping him away from Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the book, you see Harry setting Dobby free. Um, And then they continue to collaborate in book four, even though he's not depicted in the movies again until number seven or eight, seven. So uh, anyway, that it was a similar enough relationship where I was like, okay, we have a wise old protector with a little more power. Um, but a little less stature working with our protagonist. And uh, yeah, I just thought I'd shout it out. Um, well, there's also listeners well, will know it's a real stretch for me to find a Harry Potter connection. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, also, I I think there's, there's something to the idea of, um, you know, you've now mentioned both the genie from Aladdin and Dobby from Harry Potter. There is this sense of like, with our protagonist of, of I'm grateful for your help. I'm not going to abuse that because I'm inherently a good person. Right. But this idea of also um, wanting- I'm not going to do what you want me to do. Right. Yeah, but uh, I'm not going to always listen to you, um, but I understand your intention. But this idea of wanting to free you of this, you know? Yes. And and and, and the, the, the idea that you are bound and you understand you're bound by it. And maybe you, you, you commit yourself, this is your only existence. But there's this sense of like, I need to do whatever I can to free you of, you know? Uh, yes. e- e- even though I am benefiting from it, you know, again, that, that is, that is her, it, it, in this case here, this, you know, Vesper is kind of putting that, that, or trying to put that bit of privilege aside. This idea that she has a personal protector as long as she has this necklace, you know, this amulet, that she can uh, effectively go do anything and know that this incredibly powerful magical being is going to be there to, to save her and help her. Um, she's trying to put that aside because yeah, there is something, there's something greater than, that she can see and has experienced, and yeah, this idea of of wanting to set, wanting to set this this, this being for this person free from the shackles that have been put on them, you know, that right. that, that were out of their control. So there is there the, the, it, it, so in that way, I think there is this is in that lineage of that kind of you know that 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 magical being character, whether it's wish granting or whatnot. There yeah. there is there 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 it, it it does fall in line with those other kind of stories. And I think it's more interesting than just having, uh, you know, you can imagine in this book when Dom takes possession of it, he is not going to strive for that type of relationship. Just like when Jafar takes possession of Genie, yeah, they're like they're not going to do a buddy parade, you know, and yeah. all this other stuff. Yeah, all the all the tomfoolery. Yeah, and, and 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 you see how the Malfoys treat. Dobby versus, right. versus oh, yeah. what Harry does. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I think, you know, when, when you get to the end of volume two here and you see that Dominic has control, like you, you yeah, you, you're right. You know that whatever, when, when we next encounter them, because obviously that's, that's what they're going to do. That's what, that's what Tegan and, and Vesper are going to do. They're going to, they're going to go hunt down. And, and in their mind, I'm sure in Vesper's mind, we have to save Cork. You know, they have to save right. Cork from Dominic. 
you know that when we see them again, that whatever Dom, yeah, whatever Dom has him doing is is not going to be it, 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 almost polar opposite of what of what Vesper was. You know, the, right. the relationship is not going to be the same. Um, and, and we know be- that she will not stop going after Dom and now Coric. Yeah, yeah, because she has not yet grasped that plume of smoke. Yeah, and, but but, but and, I, you I, know, just halfway through that that would be like you know Han Solo being frozen in carbonite and then the next movie they're just like well that's the end of the Han Solo story yeah. <laughs> no no no, yeah. no. Yeah. but no, I I think we you, you talked about earlier at the beginning of where if and when does Vesper's motivation change and I think here we could see a potential for it and that yes still got Dominic because Dominic is still the source of her problems but is she now going after, is it still a revenge story or is it now, a, in her mind, a rescue story? And I think that's an interesting way to look at going into the back half of the book of what now is her motivation tracking down Dom? Is it to, yeah. is it, is it still, um, yeah, I, one of your cats is back there. Is it, is it still yeah, purely revenge? Crazy. Is it still, I got to get Dom because Dom got my dad. Is that what it is, or is it has it shifted now? I need to save Cork, you know. And I think that's where that's where Vesper is left at the end of at the end of volume two, there, right in the middle. And this idea of what is she chasing after? What's what's going to drive her to keep going? What's that motivation? Is it still revenge, or is it now a rescue mission? You know, yeah. A friend of mine once said uh, in something he was writing, he said, "If it weren't for mixed motivations, I wouldn't have any motivations at all." <laughs> yeah, and. So I think, you know, people and um, characters are more likely to have pure motivations than people are, Um, you know, real people. And so when I see a character in a piece of fiction start to get mixed motives and it becomes this cocktail of like, uh, you know, revenge is still in there. It's still it's if I'm honest, I would still enjoy the revenge of it, but I do have to rescue. And then, you know, and a lot of times they'll have both of those motives. They will offer forth to their friends. Here's the pure motive. This is why we're doing this while secretly holding the, the, the less desirable motive inside. Even if that one eclipses the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And, but, but they'll, they'll put the facade out of this while we're doing it. And then once you're there, the character then becomes faced with the choice, right? Do we, do we, now that we're here and both options are at hand, what do we go with? Do, do, do we make the choice for the the pure motive or do we focus solely on revenge and yeah that again that's that's the source of 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 many 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 stories and I said I think that's where we leave Vesper here this idea of well now now I have to get to Dom because he has court you know which now which does now of course that complicates the the first motive of revenge if he has this all-powerful magic being as his protector now that makes the first problem harder. Um, so, so it, it, it's almost like we got to do step one, which is save Coric, and then we can do step two, which is avenge my father. Uh, it, 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 so you, you, you can kind of see it. Maybe it goes that way, but I, I do think from a character aspect, from a character standpoint, at the end of the, these first two volumes, we've seen Vesper now, she, she's going to be faced with that choice. Yes. You know, what, what and is, her trajectory to me has become more noble even though yes. her oh, actions yeah. have been going down yeah. the wrong path. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. I think yeah. that's uh, it's just a really great way for the story to unfold. 
Yeah. And um, well, I, I, I have I, I, I have stopped myself three times now from bumping into the next volume. So yeah. I need to wrap soonish. Sure. So that I'm not start. If I, well, I well, almost instinctively flipped over to my my volume three notes. Yeah. So I, I want to keep well, it on this page. One thing I will say about that, you, you mentioned her trajectory. I think one thing we didn't mention was in between that was, you know, at some point Dominic gets all these other artifacts from them, you know? Yes. All, all these highly highly dangerous artifacts, and even then we see a little shift of, from Vesper being like, well, well, now we got to get those back, you know. Right. So, so, so even then we talk about her trajectory of of her motivation changing. It's 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 now just well, he can't have those. They're too dangerous for a guy like him. So we had to stop him and get those back again. This idea that, uh, sure, they're 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 still in some ways pillaging ancient civilizations and taking their stuff, um, but there is. Their nobility there is they understand they're dangerous and they're trying to put them somewhere where where they can't do anybody harm. So I guess they could, you know. Well, you know, the they, other thing kind of it's the it's the, it belongs away. in museum part yes, part of it. Yeah, there. yeah. <laughs> it's the but but you know so it uh, it yes I, we're taking it from. I these, love these pop culture references by yeah, the way. But, but there's the idea of yes we're taking it from the indigenous people of, of what they have there, but uh, we're putting it in a wooden crate. And losing it in a warehouse, which means no one can get to it. So there, 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 there's, there's the sense of a greater good thing. That's kind of what Magnus has been doing, and so we see Vesper do that as well. Of like, we we have these things, um, we're going to use them against to protect ourselves, but we can't let them fall into his hands. So we have to go after him because now he has these. Now he has these these artifacts. So again, it's not just about avenging her father. It's we got to get these things back from him because he can't be trusted with them. And that evolves now to that artifact being Korik. He can't be trusted with Korik because he, through Korik, he can do some pretty terrible stuff. You know, it isn't just like that. Uh, what that the the one ball that's like the power stone. Yeah. You know, it, it's more than just that, or the mask that that gives you the flaming wings. Like Korik is the all powerful artifact. He's like the 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 end all be all one that Dominic can't be trusted with. And so Vesper now working her way through her journey of just, you know, different reasons to go after Dominic that are more than just he's the guy that killed her father. Yeah, well, and that's a great segue because what I was going to say, the other thing chipping away at her revenge motivation, not only is she getting new motivation to move forward rather than revenge, she also has to ask the question, is my father a person worth avenging? Yeah. I mean, she's really had like her mom's dead because of her dad functionally. Yeah. Her dad's dead because of her dad. Yeah. It is, is getting even with the guy who killed her dad going to solve anything. Does it make her dad a better person again? Especially when you, when we get this, the, the, when we get Dominic's backstory, this again, the giving your, your, your villain, a tragic backstory, but yeah, this idea that, you know, a kills B, B kills C, C kills D. You know, it, it, there's this back and forth there of, yeah, like, it, is it Dominic's fault that that they're, or is is it Dominic and Vesper's fault that their fathers had at it and killed each other and 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 did all that? You know, like, is that is that sin passed down? It seems like it has that generational trauma of of of, of this this continual family feud. But like, it's not Dom's fault that 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 for what his father what his father did and it's not dom's fault or vespa's fault what magnus did you know but yet they carry that on and so 
from from Vesper's standpoint, I think she's she sees Dom. I think starting to see him a little sympathetically. He's still a jerk, right. like on his own accord. But but the idea that that he would go seeking revenge for his father, I think, starts chipping away at what Vesper is doing and how she sees herself and how she sees her father as well. I think you're right about that. This idea of maybe my father wasn't this idealized person. Um, this comes into now. This one, uh, uh, maybe a little more direct in terms of the character archetype. Now we're getting into Laura Croft Tomb Raider cat- yes. uh, 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 area. Uh, the idea of of the the little girl who idolizes her father for yeah, you know, robbing indigenous people of their culture, um, only to grow <laughs> up and see that wait, that's actually a bad thing, and maybe there's something else we can do about that. Um, yeah, which is how they tried to recontextualize Laura Croft, but you know, it, it, you know, that's a little more direct one to one, right? And I've w- heard with our yeah, character with, with I mean, I've she- heard rumors of like a new Indiana Jones reboot, yeah, yeah, of uh, I, I, what I I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody was pitching Oscar Isaac as yeah. someone going and robbing museums to give it back to the people yeah. things were taken yeah. from. And I'm like, I think that's just a completely different franchise, but I'm 100% on board for it. Like, that's just not Indiana I, you Jones. Know, I, I think that came out of out of Moon Knight because his character, Stephen Grant, so worked at the, the British X-ray Museum. Well, well no, he, well, he, yeah, he's, he, worked at the, yeah. he worked at the British Museum. But I heard someone that. pitch yeah. it on a yeah. podcast. And it yeah, 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 yeah. But but that idea has floated around for a while, the idea of – um the not the treasure hunter but the treasure protector or treasure returner you know that sort right. of thing um I, you know it, it, it and they they kind of tried that with um the most recent tomb raider the one with alicia vikander um where where she isn't like actually robbing tombs um she's trying she's trying to stop that but but you still have a story where you're you're still going into these civilizations and finding these these ancient artifacts and things like that. But so that they're, they're they're trying to recontextualize this idea of of archaeologists and and treasure hunters and things like that um, to varying degrees of effect. Um, but the specific idea here of the idea of hero worshiping your father this is what he did, and then your father is taken from you, and then you decide to take up his mantle, and then you start realizing, well, he's not. He wasn't the perfect man that I thought he was. Again, that's a very, very common story structure, common character uh, uh, trait and, and and story trope for the. It oftentimes is father. It really is father daughter, right? I was going to say parent child, but this one right. really is hardcore trope father daughter, right? Yes. You know, for 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 better for worse, it's almost always that way where the the daughter idolizes her father and then realizes that he's not the man that she thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. I was gonna start naming trips, but I think we dropped so many yeah, so many genre call outs. We really have. It it would take I think it would take a full weekend if you were unfamiliar with American pop culture, listening to our podcast and reading this book, it yeah. would take you maybe a month of weekends to catch up on, you know, the, between the Westerns, the Bond, the Harry Potter, the Indiana the Jones. Wings. That with the West Wing, yeah, all the yeah. things that we've dropped, just and in- literally all other major comic book franchises. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, just yeah. just go read every Incredible Hulk, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, it, was, it was Immortal Hulk <laughs> that was the call. Immortal anyway. Hulk, yeah, yeah, the recent yeah. one. Um, 
Anyway, that is all I have on these two. I've got you know a lot more to say when we dive into the next two. Uh, any concluding thoughts here? Um, you know, one thing I want to say that, that that's outside of the story, something that you and I talked about pre-show was, um, you know, before we before we 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 leave this story here, and we, we obviously we can talk about it next week as well. Just want to talk about the art style that Kaylin has and the specifics oh, yeah. in this story. Um, something we we talked about how. Uh, so much of the book, so much of the panels are just character focus, you know, and, and it's a very specific choice where it's either close up ish of a character's face or two characters together in, in a two shot or even a three shot um, that, that that there's a very hard delineation between the character in the foreground and what's happening in the background. And and there is a slight change, I think, in, in it, what it looks like in line work, definitely in coloring. Uh, um, th- th- there's the obvious color pops, the gold, which you know clearly we we should have known, but that's Korik's face. It's it's Mag Magnus's special seven shooter that's gold. The amulet and necklace is obviously very gold. Those pop no matter wh- whenever you see them, they pop right off the page. Obviously Vesper's eyes, that that right. just incredibly harsh blue eyes just pop right out. Uh, and even Tegan, she has the green eyes too, which pop out. Uh, on on the screen, not so much as as the as Vespers. Maybe it's more so to keep them delineated. But Tegan gets the very comic booky uh, character of 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 bright red hair, bright green eyes. That's a very very common character uh, comic book uh, 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 connection there. But I, I think the way that Kaylin has decided to do this, the way that she has drawn it, is is that it's all character. Like I said, it's very 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 rarely. And it's usually beginning or end of an issue where you get like a big full page splash, I get you know? a, a big and, scene. Yeah, yeah. and and, and I are, think and there the, aren't there aren't double page splashes, and I think that comes from the fact that this was originally was 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 published on the web. It was a web comic, right? So she's not thinking in terms of page turns so much. It's more in terms of scrolling to the next one. So you don't get the big two page double splash. If anything, you get the one page splash, but those are very rare. And when we get them, like uh, uh you know when. When I think it's the end of issue four, right? When when Tegan is joined up with them, and it's mm-hmm. Vesper, Tegan, and and Korik, and they're riding off, and you get that big kind of John Ford shot of you know the the the, the mesas and all that in the background, and it's just you get one really big gorgeous shot. Um, those are rare. She's not using those often, they're, so she's putting those in there for effect, usually an opening or a closing beat. But outside of that, the way the characters are outlined, the way they're colored. Uh, it, it's so clear that they're being foregrounded that you, it, it, it makes great use. I think of her facial expressions, the way that yes. she draws characters, characters and faces. We talked about how, you know, her characters have these very massive, I'm going to call them Disney eyes. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, we don't yeah. know if that's, we don't know if that's Kaylin's actual, um, inspiration or 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 kind of influence there yeah i was gonna say you can call them disney eyes. you can call them like anime eyes yeah yeah well but i think we we, when you look at at vesper there is like there's a disney princess aspect to her face and her hair i agree all of that you know and 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 again i don't know if that's exactly what 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 kaylin's um influence is but it, it, it evokes that and so having these 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 very large expressive eyes and being so character focused um, she uses the reaction shots very well and, and facial expressions very well, uh, knowing that that's where that's where that's that's taking up the majority of the of the the panels on the page. Um, 
it said even in some of the bigger action scenes like the the shootouts and the fights and things like that she makes it a point that all these characters are foregrounded um so you're you're it's letting you know that the focus is always on the character that right. no matter what's happening here you need to be focusing on what vesper is going through or magnus or or tegan or 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 Coric or or even even dominic that you know we have a small group of characters right now. You're right. It does it does expand. It gets bigger in 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 the second half of the story. But for these first two volumes, you know, it's a real small, um, real dedicated story on 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 this group of characters. And so you're following them and all of their arcs. And and at every page, every panel, um, is meant to keep your focus on that. And it's not so much about what is Dominic after. What was Magnus after? What's right. the next treasure? Like, it's not about the archaeology. It's not about the finding. It's not about the artifacts. That's a that's a different story. That's a different comic. This is all about the people, the characters, and and how they their lives as we keep finding out how they've intertwined. You know, over over right. the years. Yeah, you could take the magical elements away and still tell the same story. That's just the setting. Yes, and the yeah, setting, yeah. I think, would be interchangeable yeah. here. The character pieces are not. Yeah, yeah. And Cork, Cork could just a be a bodyguard. To that, right. forget, forget being a right. magical bodyguard. He could yeah, just be, absolutely. you know, the seventy-year-old sniper. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, who used to be a yeah. Navy SEAL or whatever. But exactly. yeah, he, um, he could just be. Yeah, he could be Rooster Cobra. That's he, he could just. Yes, be that. right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. And in these dialogue-only panels, I, I do love that when she uses a backdrop. There's a good reason for it. Otherwise, yes. you get kind of the Jonathan Hickman treatment where it'll just kind of be a color or a pattern where yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. you're not going to be staring at this long enough. You're capturing yeah. the facial expression and a few words and you keep moving. I don't need to redraw like the hill and the vista behind them. Yeah. Um, well, I I think I, I, I'm what, what happened to me right now is a great example. Of that is, is the flat is when they get to, uh, uh, Uru, and there's a couple wide shots of like, Oh, here's a giant mural. But it's kind of faded, and there's some vines growing over it. You can't; it's a little indistinct because that makes sense. It's 600 some plus years old. No one's been there in a while. And then you got a couple scenes where maybe in the background there's a doorway or an archway or stairs or something like that. But it's not in every single scene because you don't need that in every single scene. You have some establishing shots there. You see where they are. You see a couple of um, kind of wider, wider view, wider angle lens shots get a sense of the environment but yeah you don't need to see every single shot in the background there now you just know you're there you right. know you're there you see what the color palette is you know obviously we're at a an ancient old city an ancient kind of abandoned city so a lot of grays a lot of dark colors very muted there um and that's all you need to that's all you need to have maybe a couple of vines in the background you know overgrown overgrown vegetation sure. that's all you need you don't need any more than that it, it that gives you the setting um, and and put you in the right space to to know where the characters are. You don't need to be reinforced. You don't have to have that detailed background every single time. It's cool that some characters, some creators do that. You know, it's a lot of extra work. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just funny to me because it's one of those things where if they try to do that in a TV show, you know, it would totally break. You know, if yeah. it was like, oh, we just yeah. walked into this room and now they're just standing in front of a green screen or a black yeah. wall, yeah. Uh, you'd be like, I'm sorry, where are they right now? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. and in it's, a comic, it's... You, the suspended belief and the way you read, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think a lot of readers wouldn't even notice that. Like, yeah. I think 
and they're not supposed to, to pause. Though. Right. They're not supposed to. It's supposed to be that that if the creators are doing the right thing, or in this case, creator doing the right doing the storytelling right, that your mind fills in those gaps. You know, yes. it's 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 in the same way that your mind fills in motion and action on a on a static image going from panel to panel, page to page, your mind should fill in those gaps. Um, but you're right. It doesn't work on a TV or a movie, which is why you have like things that maybe are overly CGI or you have like the volume where they film, you know, pretty much every Star Wars and Marvel thing now, you know, that you have to be set in a place. Um, you can't just be nowhere. You can't just have these. And then, and sometimes it doesn't work, right? Where you have the establishing shot of like Baltimore and then, right. They're filming. You're like, nope, that's Vancouver. You know, <laughs> you know, when you get on the on on the the close-ups or whatnot. So you, yeah, you're right. I, a it, great it, shout out to um to uh Jason Concepcion on Binge Mode. Every time he called out the Atlanta nature of Spider-Man's oh, yeah. Queens, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. he was like, as he's you know running through the beautiful suburbs of Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, I mean, I I I remember too that you know even in a uh in black widow early on when uh when they're leaving their house they pass in ohio. A high school. Yeah, yeah in ohio they pass a high school football stadium and you can see what team it is at the team in atlanta like it's school in atlanta you know yeah it's not a it, you know they, they didn't they didn't find stock fo- footage from like maslin or something like that uh you know they it's, it's, it's atlanta there but um but you i think you're right to point that out about comics that it, it's something you can I guess get away with. I guess that's the phrase, right? You can get away with that that sort of storytelling um, in this medium because it, I it's think just a, not it, only can you get away with it when it's wisely deployed, which it is here, mm-hmm. it keeps you moving at the right speed as a reader. Because oh, I think okay, if sure. you yeah. if you okay. bog down every panel with detail, you're you're making you're the, reader the reader down. slow down. Right. That's a good point. Um, I like and, that. Yeah. And so when she's doing quick reaction shots. Uh, and there are beats like arrest in music. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, the melody is still happening. Arrest is part of the melody. Yeah. And and we're I focused think, on the character's face, not looking at what's in the background, what's happening back there. there there's no there's no extraneous information. Right. You, they're just you're you're being shown exactly what you need to see at the pace that she wants you to see it at. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And as I'm looking at, you know, some of my my framed art here every single one of these has at least one panel on them where the background just doesn't exist mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. now uh like the one i'm looking at right above my screen is a jorge menez batman and he is a very detailed artist yeah but he, he still, still has so good, one though. little he panel still so good though <laughs> oh it's so good but I he love jorge menez. one little panel where it's Batman with a white background, no no texture or anything like yeah. that. Uh, it's in the extreme minority of his work, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but which everyone means, does. Which means that's which means that panel there. I'm sure we could find the actual page, colored page. Yeah, it's probably just it's colored background. Maybe it's textured. You know, that that's just up to the colorist, whatever that would be end up being. Um, but yeah, I think it. it you know, you, you you see it. I think you're right. You see it often here. You know, when they're in the woods or something like that, and there's just some green in the background, right? It's like green on the top, the panels in the background, a little brown in the bottom because your leaves are the top and there's 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 tree trunks in the bottom. That's all it is. You right. know, it's just enough to give you, oh, they're in the woods now. 
Yes. That, that's that's all you need. And that's enough. And that's enough because when you saw them a, a few pages earlier, when they, an establishing shot, you saw some trees, they're actual trees. And now that they're talking, now there were close-ups, you just know where they are. That's it. You're not focused on that. And I, I said, I really like what you said about the idea of that's part of the pacing, the intentional pacing there of. Yeah. A smart reader. Well, I I'm mean, an you, intuitive reader will yeah. just learn yeah. this is. I'm not supposed to dwell on this panel. Yeah. And by the same metric, when, when you get the, you when you get the detailed, detailed one, one you yes. know, okay, yeah. let's pause here for a second. Yeah. Take a beat. Yeah, that is true. That's very true. Very true. Um. So anyway, yeah, great stuff. More of that coming for sure. In Definitely. volumes three and four. Definitely. Um. I think new direction, new characters coming in mm-hmm. volume three and four. And a new direction for existing characters and plot yeah. lines. Well, so, definitely a whole, a whole, whole new this. paradigm, whole new paradigm. Vesper is since she doesn't have Cork. Cork's with the bad guy now, effectively the bad guy. So yeah, no, it, it, it's a there's a great setup. I mean, that would be that'd be that'd be your 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 season finale cliffhanger, right? And you got to wait, you got to wait all all summer for for what's going to happen when it comes back you know oh yeah a tv show kind of thing or you got to wait several years or whatnot but thankfully we can just keep reading and 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 go right into the the rest of the story yep uh all right well if you're reading online keep reading online if you're reading the single issues start with issue 10 go all the way to 19 for next thursday if you're reading uh, the 17. trades 17. 17 oh yeah 17, 17 is the end yes i uh, yeah, if you're going to yeah well, I was I was counting the two bonus issues that are only in oh, the omnibus. That is true. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, we'll true. tease those uh, yeah. next week. Uh, if you can get a hold of them, great. I think they're only in the printed omnibus. So yes. uh, track down. It's worth having on the shelf. Really pretty book. Uh, yeah. If not, volume three. Great quality book. Great quality book. As, as we talked about uh, uh, last week, just not only does it look great, it feels great. It's a it's a it's a it's a really really solid. I mean, investment. Yeah, it, it is a sewn binding, so it just lays flat. It's not you know the glue stuff where you have to break it in one spot mm-hmm. and then it lays crooked on your shelf and yeah. you think about it as you're going to sleep at night maybe that's just me <laughs> too detailed a um, little too personal there but yeah no yeah you know go out find the book you know if you can you know buy the omnibus if you can't find can't find it or it's not available to you plumecomic.com at plumecomic that's what it's yep. for and share it with friends like this is the easiest plug in the world say here's a website go read this and listen to our podcast you can find us on all the things uh things formerly known as twitter places currently known as facebook blue sky instagram occasionally treads when we remember and always on storyarts.com yep. uh give us a five-star rating if you are thinking of it on your uh, podcast app uh whatever you're listening to us on right now seems like a great place to do it We'd appreciate it. Share it with a friend, and we will talk to you next week. Peace.